welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the in-season preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast series where I'll talk with sports editors from Georgia football's upcoming opponents. This week, Griffin Goodwin, the assistant sports editor with the Daily Gamecock, rejoins the show to review South Carolina's season so far and preview the team's matchup with Georgia. Welcome back to the first episode of the in-season preview podcast, a lovely sequel to the preseason preview podcast we did over the summer. And we got another familiar face, the first familiar face of this podcast series, Griffin Goodwin from the Daily Gamecock. Welcome back, Griffin. How have you been, man? I've been good. The start of the semester has been a little busy, both with Daily Gamecock-related duties, as well as, you know, classes, catching up with friends, and paying attention to college football, of course, the usual. And, you know, I'm super glad to be back on the pod and talking about a, a USC in Georgia, you know, this upcoming weekend. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, it was a really fun matchup to kind of – it was a really fun team to preview uh, early in the season, and it's great to be able to actually preview this game now. So – I'm just going to hop right into it. I mean, just how has this season been for the Gamecocks so far? We've kind of seen it. You know, the first week was a pretty marquee matchup. A lot of people were keeping an eye on it. But at least from your perspective, how has the Gamecocks season been so far through just two games? I'd just have to describe it as maybe almost like a tale of two games, essentially. That first one against UNC, there were a lot of high expectations going in. Although a lot of people had the Tar Heels as the betting favorites, there's a lot of confidence, you know, amongst local and um, national media members that, you know, South Carolina could go to Bank of America Stadium and come out with a win. And ultimately, that didn't really end up happening, which was, I think, a really tough pill to swallow, not only for South Carolina's fan base, but also, you know, a lot of the media members who are hyping up the team in preseason kind of seeing that unfold on the field just because they they struggled a lot in the trenches and ultimately when it comes down to it especially with sec football coming around that's going to be the big difference in some games and the fact that you know on the defensive line they weren't able to get to drake may and he was able to make some big plays on offense and on our own offensive line they allowed nine sacks which i think i remember it was the most sacks they've given up in a game since they started tracking that data since 2000 so obviously not a great start for that o-line and on top of that you know the injury bug hit the gamecocks pretty hard losing two starters in case and henry on that offensive line as well as uh freshman all-american defensive back nick emmon worry um so kind of heading into you know the Furman game it was definitely a position where South Carolina really needed to get a win to kind of keep the season afloat, and they did that and then some against Furman, which, again, is a game that a lot of people expected South Carolina to win with Furman being an FCS opponent, but a very good FCS opponent at that. Um, But when I was there in the stadium, you know, the offense was really clicking. The defense made some important stops after having a leaky first quarter, first half. Um, and obviously, we got a glimpse of the future with some freshmen coming in later in the game and making up some big plays. So I think the the ship is still sailing. Faith has kind of been restored. And obviously, you know, heading into a big matchup with Georgia, this is going to be the first test for both teams, you know, against SEC opponents. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of take what they've learned, you know, from their first non-conference matchups of the season into games that really matter at the end of the day. Absolutely. And, and we'll get even more into that Georgia-South Carolina matchup soon, especially because it's important. I mean, it's the first SEC matchup between the two teams. But, I mean, my, I myself picked South Carolina 
to take down UNC. I really liked a lot of the talent South Carolina had, and I mean, injuries are tough, but the team just didn't perform like I kind of thought they would, and a lot of that had to do with those nine sacks. I mean, because of that, the, the team finished with minus two rushing yards in that game. Rattler, I don't even think, was able to find the end zone uh, throwing the ball, so I mean, that was brutal, but Spencer Rattler eventually did find the end zone against Furman. You know, three touchdowns, pretty good performance until he was eventually taken out. So just to kind of get a, a look at what he's done, because this is a guy, you know, former number one recruit in the nation, you know, had a great end of his season, uh, had an amazing game against Tennessee at the end of last year. And Kirby Smart himself has has sung his praises leading up into this game. So how would you describe Spencer Rattler's season so far? Yeah, Spencer Rattler has been a real game changer for the game so far, and you kind of hit on it too. He didn't find the end zone against UNC, but still had a pretty efficient game. I mentioned the nine sacks. He only had nine incompletions throughout the game and also had 350-plus yards. So even though the, the pocket was kind of collapsing on him a lot at times, he was able to run out and you know extend plays, make, make them happen, but just wasn't able to find the end zone, unfortunately. But as you mentioned as well, he did against Furman, and he did it three times and again had a really efficient night he only had two incompletions and came pretty close to another 350 yard game on his way to being named the sec offensive player of the week which was obviously a big honor um and on top of that not just looking at the stat sheet but just the way that he was able to manage the game there was a time really late in the game i think the gamecocks had maybe about a minute to play and they had the ball they had just got it off a punt and instead of you know just staying pat maybe heading into the heading into halftime with you know a tie game or a really small lead spencer rattler was able to hit a couple deep balls they marched all the way down the field and scored a touchdown right as time was about to expire so just you know the way that he's able to change the games completely um is just something that you know we're really starting to see before our eyes i at the beginning of the season i kind of saw spencer rattler as a guy who you know if all things go well, this is the season that he could finally kind of put it all together with all these weapons around him, you know, offensively. And I still stand by the fact that, you know, he could be a day two quarterback, you know, drafted in the second through fourth rounds of the NFL draft if South Carolina continues to perform well offensively. And with Dow Loggins, the way his system is working, you know, it's a really pass-heavy offense. So he's definitely going to be the focal point, you know, of this offense moving forward. So if he continues playing, it's just like I said, he could definitely see himself you know, being a high draft pick by season's end. Oh, absolutely. I remember when during our preview uh, earlier in the summer, you dropped that you thought Rattler could even be a late first round pick, potentially. He had that potential. So, again, if your hot take pays out, I think that this could absolutely be a really impressive look for Spencer Rattler because he has looked pretty solid. And, you know, Georgia's going to be a big test. It's going to be curious how he looks. And, I think this is absolutely kind of be going to be the tone for his season is how he performs against a defense that has looked, in my opinion, really, really good so far. And, and we'll get your opinion on what you think of, of Georgia as a whole later. But, you know, to stick with South Carolina, to stick with that offense, what have you thought of it so far? You know, I mean, I know Antoine Wells has been hurt. You know, I know he's dealing with some injuries and stuff like that. But again, you still got Rattler. You, you still got to carry on Joyner in the backfield. So what's your thoughts of the offense so far? Yeah, like I said, I think it's really strongly built, you know, around the passing game and around Spencer Rattler and his abilities. So, you know, as long as Spencer is performing, you know, to the top of his abilities, you know, as long as the line is able to protect him, 
I think that South Carolina can turn a lot of games into shootouts, and, you know, Rattler could be the difference. But kind of talking about, you know, the guys he's thrown to, like you mentioned, Juice Wells kind of came into the season as the clear number one. Obviously, he, like a bunch of other players, got banged up a little bit in the UNC game, as well as Amarian Brown, who, you know, is still practicing a little bit, trying to get over a rib issue. But the guy that's really emerged as wide receiver one um, so far this season is Xavier Leggett. And he's definitely been a guy, you know, I'm super proud of. And, you know, I'm super glad that, you know, he's finally experiencing this kind of success just because he's been through a lot, you know, in his career so far. But, you know, just so far, here's some of the numbers he's got. He's actually leading all power five wide receivers with 286 yards, you know, three of these first two games on 15 catches. So he's really been, you know, a threat on deep balls. And actually another guy who's, you know, playing a role as a wideout is backup quarterback Luke Doty. Obviously, you know, he's coming in, you know, he wants to be able to contribute to the team in any way possible. And, you know, the same way that Dak Joyner has been playing, you know, as a wide receiver or quarterback and a running back, you know, they're just bringing Luke Doden to the fold. And he actually scored one of them, South Carolina's early touchdowns against Furman. So it's kind of fun to see him, you know, lining up out wide. But I'll definitely think, you know, a lot of the other areas of the offense, I think, still have some question marks. Um especially at running back. Like you mentioned, Dak Joyner coming in, you know, is kind of the guy right now. And he hasn't really had much experience at running back outside of maybe a couple plays here and there throughout his collegiate career and kind of working there predominantly over summer. And there's definitely a couple other guys in the mix, like Mario Anderson, who's a D2 transfer we brought into the offseason, as well as DJ Bas Braswell, who's a freshman. Um, but I think that just, you know, there really isn't a clear-cut guy like, you know, Marshawn Lloyd would have been had he not decided to transfer to the other USC on the other side of the country. Um, so I think there's still a little bit of question marks there. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, the O-line, in, in a similar position, you know, where we had um, Eric Douglas and Javon Gwynn and some of these other players, you know, move on to the NFL. It was kind of like a transitionary period for this unit. And obviously, you know, we've brought in, you know, freshmen and transfers and, you know, some of the players who were on the roster as backups last season are kind of stepping up. And I think it's a unit that, you know, requires just a lot of chemistry. And, you know, there's been a lot of mixing and matching in the offseason. So I just think that, you know, if they're able to kind of work together a little bit more, a little bit more consistently, then I think um, both the running back and the offensive line units can perform a little bit better kind of later on in the season. No, I, I completely agree. And and you touched on it there. Xavier Leggett has dealt with so many injuries over the course of his collegiate career. To really see him avoid that injury bug that seems like it's bit South Carolina and really just take advantage of the targets, you know, 15 receptions, nearly 300 yards. I mean, great performances from him. But I do think, I mean, I, I'm curious on what the tight end room is going to look like. You know, you had such a great one in Jaheim Bell last year, and I think I think you've got talented guys in that room, but they haven't really shown up to, so far throughout the season. You know, Dak Joyner, former quarterback, I think Georgia fans remember him back in 2019 when uh, he led the charge at the quarterback position. But again, he's moved all the way around. He's still a threat as a receiving back, uh, but I am curious to see if he can really start Get, getting to go as a pure running back you know only two he's leading the team in touchdown and rushing touchdowns leading the team in rushing yards but let's see I, I am curious to see if he can really find a stride with himself but it's an interesting offense uh the fact that Luke Doty their quarterback is one of the leading receivers is one of the most fun storylines I feel like in in college football early right now um aside from what Colorado's doing out there out west uh but I think it's just fun it, it's a really interesting team that I think still think needs to figure it out but the good news for them is it's early 
Yeah, no, for sure. And as I kind of mentioned, yeah, we definitely do have some, you know, talented tight ends. That's actually another unit where actually this season, South Carolina, all of their tight ends are brand new to the program, whether they're freshmen or transfers from other universities. But we got a wealth of, you know, experience. Trey Knox, um, people might know him from Arkansas, where he's been there the past couple of years. He moved over with Dow Loggins. Um, in the offseason, as well as uh, Josh Simon, who's from Western Kentucky. Those guys have gotten, you know, a couple of reps, a couple of receptions each. Um, so as the season goes on, it'll definitely be interesting to see, you know, how, you know, Dow Loggins tries to integrate these tight ends, especially with that kind of being his background, you know, when he's been coaching at the collegiate level, just to kind of see, you know, because say Xavier Leggett goes down, um, I definitely want to see, you know, those guys maybe catching the rock a little bit more. Definitely. Uh, and and continuing on the catching the rock a little bit more, I mean, I feel like it. it I've I've always said it's a surprise and not a surprise at the same time, just because he wasn't with the team over the summer. But I mean, I would just love to see Nick Harbor get involved here fairly soon. Again, when you got a guy that's six five and runs a ten two hundred meter dash, like you want to see that guy in the field. And I know, I mean, it's Shane Beamer's offense. It's not the most easiest thing to pick up and go right away. So. I mean, if he was there during spring, I'm sure he would be playing out there and getting a lot of snaps. But you know, I'm, I'm. It, it's kind of a bummer not to see him out there and and, and only see him one reception for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, he's such a talented dude. So I hope they get him on the field pretty soon. Yeah, I know he was dealing with, I think, a little bit of an injury. Um, he just had a couple knocks, kind of, you know, with um preseason practices and everything right before the season. But you know, I totally agree. I mean, he is an absolute weapon you know just that unique um combination of size and speed is something that we haven't seen in a really really long time especially as far as South Carolina is concerned so trying to integrate him into the offense as possible which like you mentioned is definitely something that'll take some time for any freshman you know no matter how skilled they are or were at the high school level definitely trying to see him um get more involved and seeing what he's able to do you know to showcase that size, that speed, that strength, like I mentioned before, will be another kind of interesting storyline to follow as the season continues. I completely agree, and I, I hope that he does get in. And I do I do get the feeling that, like, probably by week six or so, you know, I think he'll be, he'll be in there. You know, he'll be playing a fairly big-time role in some way or a fashion. But we'll see if he ends up playing against uh, Georgia in, in some form or fashion because he could be key. But we've talked a lot about the offense now. So let's go ahead and pivot over to the defense itself. You know, I mean, you mentioned there's been a couple injuries on that side of the ball, but, you know, what have you thought of that unit as a whole so far through these first two games? I feel like with the defense, it's a little, like, less clear-cut to kind of, you know, pinpoint kind of where they are exactly. Especially, you know, with, with UNC, you know, the fact that, you know, I feel like all around it wasn't a super-duper great performance for the Gamecocks. And kind of with it being, you know, First game of the season against a really tough non-conference opponent, which, you know, I might circle back to this later on, but South Carolina overall has one of the more difficult schedules in college football with two of their non-conference games being ranked ACC teams in North Carolina and Clemson. Um, and kind of heading into game two, obviously, you know, it was a very good FCS opponent in Furman, but I definitely don't want to be, you know, jumping to conclusions simply based on some of the great things I saw from that game. But at least some of the things that I can, I've seen and kind of can pick up on um, is, again, the injury bug, I feel like, is definitely hitting the defense, I feel, a lot harder than the offense. Like I mentioned, Nicky Manwari is a guy, you know, who is a starter in the secondary. He's out with a hamstring issue, and we don't know exactly when 
he might be coming back. But a couple other guys, you know, just around the unit, David Spaulding's the nickelback. He was a starter last season, kind of figured to be potentially a starter this semester, uh, this season as well. Um, he is also out with injuries as well as JT Gear, a uh, transfer defensive end we got from Syracuse. Um, but Jalen Kilgore is a guy, you know, who stepped into Nick Emanwari's role as a true freshman and has really been showing up, making some key stops. He's already made 18 tackles through his first two games. Um, and he potentially, you know, if he's thrust into a starting role and continues to play as well as he has, you know, he could be just like, you know, Nick Emanwari potentially as an All-American um, defensive back as a freshman, just because, you know, this unit um, has been producing a lot of talent that's actually gone to the NFL. Think of, you know, Stephon Gilmore and Israel Mukwamu and a lot of these other guys, you know, who, you know, are defensive backs have come to South Carolina. I mentioned Cam Smith as well, who's with the Miami Dolphins as a rookie this year. Um, these are all guys, you know, who were top cornerbacks, safeties in the SEC, you know, throughout their collegiate careers, and then, you know, move on to go on and do great things in the NFL. So, obviously, Jalen Kilgore's only played two games. Dick Emmawari only has a year under his belt, but these are definitely guys, you know, if Emmawari is able to come back, if Kilgore keeps on producing, then, you know, this is a unit that can definitely, you know, continue to produce turnovers like it has over the past couple of years. Definitely, and uh, another name that I kind of liked so far through the season is O'Donnell Fortune. I mean, a guy that's going to be able to make tackles, had an interception against UNC himself. Uh, and I know he's not the, as big of a high-profile guy as some of these other players that we've been seeing, but feels like he's been pretty solid through these first couple games. Yeah, O'Donnell Fortune, he definitely burst onto the scene um, during the uh, the Notre Dame game in the, the Tax Gator Bowl last year where he returned an interception 100 yards, you know, for a touchdown and a big score for the Gamecocks. And... Like I mentioned before, this is one of those positions, again, where, you know, a lot of talent has gone on. I mentioned Cam Smith, you know, who is uh, with the Miami Dolphins. But Darius Rush, I believe, is also with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was drafted by the Colts and I believe is on the Chiefs now. Um, so those are two guys, you know, who were starters, you know, in that secondary. And now it's kind of moved on to, you know, Kilgore. Um, Marcellus Dial and Fortune that you mentioned. So, you know, if those guys are able to produce, you know, the way they have been, Marcellus Dial also had a really, really good game against Clemson, you know, at the tail end of last season. So it almost seems like, like I said, you know, as soon as, you know, these cornerbacks, these safeties are going on to the NFL, it's almost like next man up. And these guys are performing just as well. So, you know, especially, you know, if we come against, you know, pass heavy offenses, you know, if these guys, like I said, are able to force turnovers, um, make big tackles, you know, those can be really big swings in games at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, you know, just to talk about, I mean, South Carolina does have a very veteran group. I mean, kind of headlined by Tonka Hemingway, who, you know, I know I know he uh, inadvertently called out Georgia a little bit with his comments at SEC Media Days, uh, you know, dropping Tennessee and, and Texas A&M and not Georgia. So we'll see how that impacts this game. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's still an experienced group with some talent. So, I'm excited to see what this defense is going to be able to do in its first SEC matchup because I know they disappointed a little bit, but they also had their own little highlight moments against UNC. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, no, for sure. And I know um, kind of like you mentioned, you know, just going on X slash Twitter, just kind of seeing what a lot of people have been saying. I know that as far as South Carolina goes, if they, you know, sometimes coming into these big games, you know, they kind of center, you know, all the criticism maybe towards one player and, as you mentioned, because of those comments, it has been Tonka um, heading into this game. So who knows? Maybe this will light a fire under him and maybe he'll come out and have a really big game, you know, against Georgia. 
because you know motivation can come in the craziest ways you know maybe this is actually helping him out a little bit we'll see exactly exactly yeah i i i'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to be um it, it's definitely interesting um how all of this is going to end up playing out um but i did want to ask i mean we've talked about a lot of players but you know it's it's an early in the season let's get your your favorite player so far to watch you know on the south carolina team who have you really enjoyed just watching go out there and play and then Who's a player that's kind of fell a little short of your expectations so far that you need to really see pick it up going going forward? Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, I talked about this on the preview show months ago, and, you know, I can talk about it again. I think I can rave about Spence Rattler, you know, forever, honestly. And I kind of feel like, you know, for a lot of Gamecock fans and media members, he's like the obvious choice as a favorite player, but I'm going to probably choose X. Xavier Leggett for the for the purpose of this kind of like you mentioned before you know just the fact that you know he's been with the team for so long and you know picked up a bunch of injuries along the way that you know has kind of hindered his progress throughout his collegiate career especially even like I believe it was my freshman year 2021 where kind of late in the season I believe he got in a car accident and had a severe injury to his legs you know and that was that was a really really big deal back then but you know obviously with Juice Wells going down. Obviously, he's kind of thrust into this wide receiver one role and is taking full advantage of it. And it's kind of like a really nice culmination to kind of see, you know, all that hard work, you know, just over the years in rehab, you know, kind of paying off. And to kind of go on the other end, like I said, definitely some units. I know this is something you wanted to touch on, but just come, I can't think of, you know, maybe individual players maybe that, you know, aren't, you know, going up to expectations or meeting them. But kind of going back to maybe some position units kind of mentioned, I think, you know, like just the offensive struggles, you know, kind of stem from the offensive line, kind of like I mentioned with the nine sacks, you know, giving up against UNC with, you know, a lot of pieces from a lot of different places trying to, you know, come in and gel together. Um, so I think, you know, if they're able to just, you know, practice a little more, be a little bit more consistent, I think that'll pay dividends later on. But also, I think the defensive line is also, you know, an area of the team that's struggled a little bit, you know, because like I mentioned, they weren't able to put too, too much pressure on Drake May in the UNC game. And over those two games, both against UNC and Furman, I was looking at the stats earlier today, and it looks like they only have five tackles for loss and one sack over those two games, most of them coming against Furman. So I just think that, you know, if they're able to, you know, play a little bit more consistently at times, you know, they, we have kind of slow starts, you know, to the beginning of games. And oftentimes, you know, if we're starting slow on offense, you know, the defense at times hasn't really been able to pick it up and try to keep us in the game. Because actually, we were down to Furman 14-7, to 7, I think, for much of that second quarter, which made a lot of people nervous in the student section that night. Um, so, you know, if the defense is able to, you know, kind of make some of those bigger plays early, stay in the game, and, you know, like I said, just be a little bit more consistent – then I think the unit as a whole will, you know, perform a lot better. No, absolutely. I mean, that offensive line has been disappointing, but when you've got players like Xavier Leggett playing as well as they are, you know, if if those things can kind of get figured out, could be a really fun offense, especially with Spencer Rattler leading the helm. But let's get right into this matchup. You know, this is this is a, a big time matchup purely for it's the fat the first SEC matchup between these two teams. And and it's the first SEC matchup specifically that these two teams have to face. So let's talk about it. What do you think of this upcoming matchup? How do you how do these two teams really match up in your opinion? 
So at least for me, when I kind of think about it, I just think about, you know, the last two USC-Georgia games, which are the ones that obviously coming to USC as a freshman, that's when I really started paying attention to college football. So these are the two that really stick out in my mind. And, you know, at the end of the day, they were both blowout losses to the Dogs. In 2021, it was a 40-13 score in Athens. And then last year, it was a 48-7 drubbing in Columbia. It was a noon game. And by halftime, the entire, almost the entire student section was all gone, both due to the weather and also due to the performance on the field. So, you know, it's those kind of games that kind of stick out and, you know, a lot of Gamecock fans and media members mind, especially because like over the past years, Georgia has been, you know, the king of the, the, king of the crop in college football. But it really wasn't that long ago, kind of like you mentioned when Dak Joyner was, you know, at the helm um, at in Athens and, you know, the Gamecocks won in double overtime. So, you know, an upset is always in the cards. But I kind of feel like right now the way that Georgia heads into this game at number one and, you know, obviously a clear favorite, you know, to go to the college football playoff, win the SEC in 3 P, you know, for the first time since the 1930s, while South Carolina at the beginning of the season kind of flirted with being, you know, a top 25 team and overall has, you know, maybe not performed up to par as what, people would have thought they would. I think Georgia kind of heads into this game, you know, with a clear advantage, but there are definitely avenues where, you know, South Carolina can surprise them a little bit or maybe, you know, make the game, you know, a lot closer than people think it would be. Yeah, I mean, we, we wrote about it here uh, of that 2019 matchup uh, of Dak Joyner kind of leading the charge, and we highlighted Dak Joyner heading into this game because it's such an interesting storyline of just a guy that's been here since 2019 and, and has just moved around different positions. But there's absolutely a possibility for upsets to occur. We just saw Alabama take its first home loss in however, however many games, which now gives Georgia the longest home record streak. You know, again, last time they, they lost was South Carolina at home. And, I mean, that's going to be at, at people's minds, especially with the fact that Georgia has now leapfrogged up to one uh, thanks to an Alabama loss. So, you can't help but think about it. You can't help it. Um, but Georgia, absolutely super talented. There, there's still a lot of talent. And, and covering the team, I've gotten to see it. You know, And I know South Carolina, their tendency is to get off to a little bit of a slower start. I thought they might break that this year, but unfortunately they weren't able to. But let's hop right into – let's get a little analytical. You know, let's, let's give it over to you. You know, I've gotten to see the team. I've gotten to write about the team. But from your perspective, what is your opinion of Georgia? You know, what have you seen from them? What do you view as their strengths and weaknesses? And, and what do you think that South Carolina, especially those weaknesses, will need to take advantage of to possibly win this game? Yeah, so I'll definitely start by saying, you know, that what Georgia has been doing since Kirby Smart got hired, especially in the past two seasons, has been nothing short of incredible, to be honest. I mean, the way that, you know, they've been able to produce talent bring that talent, take it to the next level with a lot of, you know, Georgia players, you know, getting drafted really highly. And, you know, most teams, you know, if you lose that much talent each year, you know, you expect a drop off just because you're not able to, you know, replenish it. But just the way that, you know, Georgia's been able to recruit really well, still get a lot of those five-star prospects that get high ratings by all the major media outlets and are still able to produce at the level that they are. You know, like I said, there's a reason why, you know, they're favorites to, sweep all the awards, win a third straight natty, and all these other things. Um, and just kind of what I've seen from the first couple of games, obviously they have quality at 
every single position, you know, especially on offense, they're averaging more than 40 points a game, you know, again, albeit against maybe not the greatest opponents in the world, but you know, still 40 points is 40 points and a win is a win. So, you know, that's a definitely a good start, especially with, you know, the mantle being passed from, you know, Stetson Bennett, who, you know, everybody's felt like has been at Georgia for forever. You know, this is kind of like, you know, a really big transitionary period at that position going from Stetson Bennett to Carson Beck. Um, so, like I said, definitely the offense is firing in all cylinders, scoring 40 points a game. Um, the defense, you know, has been holding, you know, these teams to, you know, single digits. So that's obviously a really, really great sign. But at least when I've kind of looked at, you know, some of the numbers, you know, of the team kind of heading in this matchup, two of the big things that I've noticed that, you know, might be seen as weaknesses is first, you know, the first quarter offense. Kind of like I mentioned, South Carolina starts games pretty um, on, the, on the slow end. And just from what I've seen, you know, watching games in my apartment, just kind of following along my phone. I've noticed, too, that the kind of the same thing is happening with Georgia. And it might be a little bit of, you know, Carson Beck trying to get used to this offense. But I was looking, and, you know, I think they've scored seven first quarter points across both games. So, and I know that, you know, when I see, like, the score lines on the bottom of the screen, I'm like, wow, like, Georgia's only up by, like, seven nothing on UT Martin midway through the second quarter, which is kind of mind-boggling to me because I would have, you know... Seeing them play like South Carolina last year, they were up like 14 nothing maybe midway through the first quarter. So I'm like, wow, this is just really interesting. I'm not really familiar with this kind of, you know, Georgia offense. And then obviously later on, you know, they have a good second, third quarter and able to put the game away. So it ends up not being too, too big of an issue, especially against the opponents that they're playing. But obviously with SEC play, you know, coming, you know, getting, jumping the gun and be able to get those points early is something that's super important. And not only that, but I also look, too, at, you know, kind of the defensive line, which, again, has just been a Georgia staple, you know, over the past couple of years. But I saw that they've only been able to get one sack total over the first two games, which is something that, again, um, just knowing, you know, how good that Georgia's been all around this past couple of years has been like, huh, like I never would have thought that through two games they would have only had one sack. So, you know, obviously South Carolina, you know, hasn't had two great offensive line performances, you know, so far this season. So, who knows? Maybe if they're able to put up a fight against the Dogs and, you know, they can kind of hold them to, you know, maybe only a few sacks here and there. And if they're able to get points on the board early, obviously Spencer Rattler kind of showed his ability to, you know, maximize the deep ball, you know, get a lot of yardage and, you know, points from that. You know, if they're able to get some, put some explosive plays together, special teams does its job. They're able to recover an onside kick and everything. Um, if they're able to do that kind of stuff against Georgia, then who knows? Maybe we'll kind of put a little pressure on them that they haven't felt all season and, you know, could make the game interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you pointed it out right there. Um, you know, it, it's very interesting looking at the defensive line. And, I mean, Kirby Smart's defenses are never really known for sacks necessarily. So, statistically, it's very much in line. But, you know, the biggest talking point is, this team doesn't have that Jalen Carter, that Jordan Davis, that that uh, that Trayvon Walker that they had in previous years. And, you know, Michael Williams, the guy that did get that sack, is kind of the closest guy to that. But, you know, he's still a sophomore. He's young. So it's absolutely a question mark on what that defensive line really is. But the first quarter is absolutely an issue. Um, it's definitely a slow start. A lot of people have been pointing to new offensive coordinator Mike Bobo for that reason. And it's all really interesting stuff to see how that kind of comes together because – you know, last year, you're right. I mean, Stetson Bennett marched down the field pretty quickly, and t him and Todd Munkin got rolling pretty fast, but it's not the case this year. Um, things could change this week, and who knows what's going to occur, especially on those first drives. But, 
I think it's interesting that those are two definitely weaknesses. And then, you know, Georgia, kind of like South Carolina, is trying to figure out their running game themselves. So that's a that's a third point that I'll even add on to yours that I think Georgia's still working through that, you know, South Carolina can take advantage of that if they can use their DBs who have looked pretty fun to kind of shut it down. And if Georgia can't get the running game going, might be a rough day for Georgia's offense if, if those things aren't able to occur. But, you know, we've talked through a lot of these different points and stuff like that, so... I'll throw it back to you for a final score prediction. You know, who wins this game? What's the score? You know, what's what's the big impact factor that can happen? And, you know, I mean, what do, what do these two teams do kind of after this game, uh, after this result? Yeah, so for me, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of gauging, you know, based on, you know, the South Carolina-Georgia matchups I've seen in years past. And I definitely think that, you know, despite, you know, some of these struggles that it's experienced kind of at the beginning of the year, I think that South Carolina is in a better position this time around facing Georgia than they were last year. So I definitely think they're going to be able to put up more points on the board than last year. But in the end, I do think that Georgia's still going to win and by a decent margin. So at least my score prediction that I have down is a 38-14 win for Georgia. Um, but I do think that, as I kind of mentioned before, you know, Spencer Rattler is able to come up with big plays. The O-line is able to protect the quarterback. The defense comes up with spots. Then I think that South Carolina can definitely cover the spread, which when I looked this morning, they had the odds, I think, at around 27 and a half point favorites for Georgia. So I definitely think that, you know, if a lot of things go well, then South Carolina can definitely get within that. Maybe not win the game in the end, although that is always a possibility, but definitely kind of make things interesting. Um, and I think just kind of as the season goes along, I have penciled this game in, you know, from the very beginning as one that'll probably be the most difficult on South Carolina's schedule for obvious reasons and one that they'll probably not end up winning and I think for Georgia you know it's kind of the same deal I think with it being at home you know this is definitely a game that a lot of people expect Georgia to win so you know if Georgia does win then you know that doesn't really change the ramifications of things too significantly unless a star player goes down for either team but if 2019 repeats itself and South Carolina is able to pull the upset, then, you know, that kind of throws the entire college football playoff into flux. You know, with Georgia, you know, this is definitely not, I would say, you know, compared to, you know, some other teams, a quality loss. You know, that could bump them down the rankings, I think, a little bit. And obviously, if South Carolina is able to win, then I definitely think that that cements them as a top 25 team in the country, which, again, as I mentioned before, is an unlikely outcome. But, you know, we'll see what happens come Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I, 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 I'm glad we're we're pretty we're pretty close in our score predictions. I had Georgia defeating South Carolina forty-five to fourteen, just because I think I think Rattler in, in that offense can find the end zone a couple times. You know, I was even flirting between fourteen and seventeen points. So I definitely think that that South Carolina can get in the end zone and can really find success. But I think Georgia's just got a really talented team right now. They've got a lot of really good players that seem to be progressing more and more uh, and again South Carolina just seems to kind of get off to a slow start uh, especially early in the season but I think the biggest thing to consider that if this is the way we predict it's going to go I still absolutely believe that South Carolina could finish the season nine and three you know I mean even even with a one and two start I could easily see South Carolina turning it around like they have the past two seasons under Shane Beamer and winning nine games making a, a pretty solid bowl and being a really good team because I view this team as ta as talented and I think as the injury bug kind of starts to wear off and as the younger guys get acclimated I still think this South Carolina team has the potential to be really good yeah no I totally agree I mean my, one of my hot takes kind of the beginning of the season was that 
no, South Carolina would go 9-3. and three. And obviously, I think back then, you know, the games that I maybe said would be the ones that the Gamecocks would lose were at Georgia, at Tennessee, and then maybe at A&M. But I think, you know, as we've seen, you know, A&M has kind of shown chinks in its armor, especially last week after losing to Miami. And, you know, Clemson was a game that, you know, was one that I think a lot of people may have given the advantage to the Tigers for. But honestly, they've also been really struggling so far this season and have been really uncharacteristic compared to what they've done in years past. So I definitely think that, you know, that those games are a lot more winnable, especially since they're later on in the season and once South Carolina works out some of these kinks. And, you know, these could be games that are definitely winnable for the Gamecocks. And again, I think Tennessee on the road is definitely going to be after Georgia, the most, the toughest game that they're going to have to play. But, you know, if a lot of things start going their way, then, you know, an eight win, nine win season is definitely still within the realm of possibility if, you know, the stars align and things, you know, continue going well for this program. I completely agree. I, I really do view, I view Shane Beamer pretty highly. I view this talent pretty highly. I think South Carolina will find their way, but it may just start off a little rough for South Carolina fans, but I do think that it, it'll, it'll turn up. But Griffin, again, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Remind the folks where they can find you and, and uh, where they can find your stuff, man. Of course. Well, I'm first going to shout out, you know, the organization I'm a part of, Daily Gamecock, which you can find online at www.dailygamecock.com, as well as on social media. We have Instagram, Twitter, slash X. We're on Twitter. We actually do have a sports-specific page, so you can look that up, as well as a TikTok that we're, you know, starting to use a little bit more frequently. So, super fun way to keep track of everything that we're doing. And for me personally, you know, I'm on Instagram, griffin.g underscore 10, as well as on Twitter, slash X as Griffin underscore Goodwin. Um, so that's where you can check out my stuff for the Daily Gamecock. I vote for the student media poll, which does, you know, top 25 rankings for all the different sports. You can check out my rankings and hot takes there, as well as Gamecock Central, which kind of works as, um, you know, a Gamecock fan page, essentially, on the on three family of sports networks. So I do, I do a lot of work there. I repost a lot of my articles. So if you want to read more stuff, learn more about Gamecock football, you know, that's the perfect spot to be. All right. That's fantastic. Well, Griffin, again, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. Of course. Always a pleasure.